Wow, we are recording a brand new season. Our second season's come up. Our first one's come to an end with over 20 episodes filled with knowledge anywhere from mental health to physical health to hormonal health and everything in between uh, in regards to nutrition, exercise, and lifestyle. So if you're new here, buckle up because you've got a lot of past episodes to check in on and the future is only getting bigger and brighter. I'm Kylie Trenetsky. I'm the founder of Powerful, a place where women can feel powerful, heard, and take that empowerment to the next level to really focus on their integrative health, which looks at physical, internal, and mental health components. Today, just to kind of kick off a new season and a new era, I want to talk about common questions in the field. And so what I've done is kind of taken an open field, an open slate, if you will, and gave a calling out. And I'm like, hey, if you have questions, here's your time. I'm going to give you a little bit of free coaching. I want to hear what you feel like. And I sent this out to my followers and got back some really great responses. Some sent in voice clips, some sent me DMs, and I really wanted to hone in on the ones that were most popular um, and the most redundant so we can talk it through because I'm guessing they're not the only ones that had these types of questions. Okay, so now I'm going to pop over to one of the voice clips that was sent in. Check it out now. Hi, babe. I just got a new job that requires me to travel quite a bit, and it's been a little difficult to maintain my normal routine. So I was wondering if you had any advice or tips in trying to be consistent with my exercise and normal dietary kind of regimen while out on the road. Absolutely, my dear. Let's break this down. I think this is a really common problem, especially amongst women who are trying to be goal-oriented and then something changes their schedule. Yes, work. This could also be a vacation. This could be um, starting something new in college or you're trying to balance your classes and a new semester starts. You know, there's so many different things that change our routine, but it's how we react and respond to that that's going to be the most important component. And so one of the hard realities with that is you may have a really great routine that worked with your old job, but it may not be the same routine that you need in your new job in regards to as our routines change, our habits change. And if we try to use and you know and i kind of like this phrase like you can't teach an old dog new tricks if we try to use the habits of the old dog with our new dog that's not going to work right so we need to kind of backtrack start with a blank slate and figure out okay what do i want and how can i get that so a couple steps i would take to evaluate that are first what does my new job look like what hours am i working how often am i working And then what are the biggest challenges? Like if you were to think right off the bat of things that might make it challenging to meet nutritional or physical goals, what would those be? Is it that you're in the car all the time, uh, traveling to work? Is it that you work insane hours, um, maybe like a nurse or a night shift where it's 12 plus hours? Um, Those types of things are things to consider. Maybe you work a lot. Maybe your job is so stressful and you're constantly doing stuff you forget to eat a meal or snacks. 
maybe after work or before work, you really struggle to get to the gym because of motivation or traffic or whatever else, right? So let's consider all those things first. What does the job look like? And what are some of the initial obstacles you can think of? Okay, and then from there, let's figure out what goals we want to accomplish. For example, if we want to eat three meals a day and we're in the car rushing to work or need to be traveling in between clients or things along those lines, this is something to consider. Do we need to have an easy grab-and-go breakfast so you can get out the door? Do you need to make sure that you're packing lunches and snacks so that you can sustain throughout the day um, instead of not eating at all or grabbing something quick and convenient that doesn't feel good for your body later? That's stuff to consider. And then let's look at the overall routine of it, right? So maybe we used to work different hours or a different routine And now we need to adjust to accommodate for a new movement schedule. I'm going to say this probably a few times throughout the episode. I really preach that something is better than nothing. I would rather you spend 10 minutes doing something than zero minutes of doing something because that's going to help uh, take small steps forward over time. So realistically, if you don't feel like working out, maybe it's just a 10-minute walk, 30-minute walk. If you do feel like working out, Maybe it's realistic to find a gym either close to your home or close to work so that it supports easy access so there's no excuses. And we maybe need to pack that gym bag with a protein bar or some sort of snack so that you go to the gym and you're ready because you have everything there and you pack that the night before rather than pushing it off till the next day. In general, I would say those are kind of the most common trends nutritionally and you know, exercise wise that I see when routines change. But again, sometimes all we need to do is have that accountability and support from a coach or a partner or a friend to know like, hey, this is what do I want to accomplish each day. And maybe your roommate reminds you like, hey, girl, don't you need to pack your lunch tonight? And you're like, shit, yeah, you're not wrong. And you go do that. Or maybe you have a coach on board and you say you're exercising Monday, Wednesday and Friday and you didn't text her on Wednesday, aka me, and I'd be like, hey girl, uh, I know you're working out today, like let's get it done, and that motivation helps get you there. So we wanna consider all of our options, not only with how to accomplish our goals in an effective manner individually, but how can we be accountable to those goals? Do we put them in our iPhone calendar? Do we make a to-do list that includes packing your lunch or packing breakfast or snacks, or maybe it's just adjusting what you get at the grocery store instead of making a whole meal in the morning or skipping breakfast, which is one of my least favorite things that I see, but it's common. Maybe we just make a toaster waffle in the morning and you slather some peanut butter on top, and I would be happy that you're eating something rather than nothing. So again, those are just some simple tips for nutrition and exercise that I would consider if you're starting a new job or a new routine and you want to adjust but still have that healthy lifestyle. I have to keep re-recording this because I'm just being too goofy. My question is about supplements. So I see a lot of advertisements on Instagram and my podcasts about AG1, like athletic greens and different supplements like reds and greens and BCAs. And so I was curious what your professional opinion is on all these supplements. Do you think they're actually beneficial for people or do you think it's just a big marketing grab? 
Hey, girlfriend. Okay. So like, let's break this down, right? I think there's kind of mixed signals that the world gives us. And some of those include that really clickbait structure that diet culture has or that food culture has where or exercise culture where we can get a quick fix right here, right now. And that's really what's happening with this like green powder trend, red powder trend, anti-bloating, your life's going to get so much better. It's really not. Um, I'm not a big fan. I'm not like I would never affiliate myself with a powder like that because I just don't see the benefits to it. At the end of the day, um, it's just a bunch of greens, which I would rather you eat than take from a powder because then you're also going to get all the vitamins minerals and the fiber from it. So that's actually going to help you even more with your bowel movements because you're going to have more regular bowel movements if you struggle with constipation and bloating. Secondarily, those powders to make them taste good and to make them a certain consistency also include additional additives that you don't need to have if you can just incorporate greens into your typical routine and diet. But in the general aspect of supplements, I'm a fan. That doesn't mean you need to go have eight shelves dedicated to a bunch of pill bottles to have every different type of vitamin and mineral under the sun. No. But if there are certain supplements that you're deficient in nutritionally, those are helpful to take. Or if you have certain health conditions where you need certain supplementation, that's important too. And then lastly, if you follow a certain diet, so if you struggle with food allergies and inflammation of any sort of GI condition or you are vegetarian or vegan, those also require certain supplements to be included because you might need them. So those are some areas specifically for vitamins and minerals. Um, But in regards to like fitness supplements, you know, I You can take pre-workout. I don't think there's anything special about pre-workout, so I don't feel one way or the other about it. But there is research that shows that BCAAs and creatine can be helpful for your fitness recovery and for musculature to help recover and to heal and to grow further. So those could be a benefit. But again, do you really need to spend like $30 on a big bottle of that? You don't have to, to see results. It's just an option that's available to you. At the end of the day, you can get those BCAAs or you can get that creatine from food choices that you're eating and from electrolyte supplements if you're choosing that. But again, you don't have to pay for those things either. Fitness and health can be affordable, but there are also things you can do to enhance it. So I know that that relatively sounds like a wishy-washy answer if I'm like going to listen to myself back and just go and rewind myself. But I think it really depends on you, uh, your health conditions or like your health predispositions and what you're looking to do and accomplish as well as the financial availability you have of what do you want to purchase. And really the only things Well, I guess not the only things. The one thing I would recommend purchasing is a protein powder. I think everybody should have one of those on hand. Now, if you want pre-workout or creatine or BCAAs, you know, you can have that stuff too, but that's just more optional in my mindset. Oof, I love this one because this is so common. So I got a DM from a girly pop who has been following me for a while. So I'm familiar with her and just what her life looks like. And she 
asked how to balance everything. She's struggling to balance work, family, and self-care. And she's really struggling with that since her late 20s. And now she's in her early 30s and still just kind of feels out of routine. I feel like this kind of links very well to what I was saying above about figuring out the pros and cons of what your routine looks like now, and then figuring out some small tweaks to kind of adjust that a bit, but kind of a little bit different from the other question that we had is balance. Let's talk about balance. Like, what does that look like? I guarantee like 80% of the people uh, listening to this right now think balance is a lot more sacrifice than it needs to be. That probably sounds shocking (laughs) to some of you. You probably expect me to work out seven days a week and only eat little green juices and salads. And that's not my life. I would never want that life for myself and I would not preach it. So um, I practice what I preach and balance is so important in that. And that means prioritizing yourself. I've said this in another episode or maybe it was a reel on Instagram. I can't remember, but I said something shocking. You don't have to put yourself first, but you do need to put yourself in your top three or five. And if you can put yourself in your top three or five instead of at the bottom of the damn list, I guarantee you your life is going to get exponentially better. Not all the time, especially if you have kids. I get that. But if we can say yes to ourselves a little bit more often, it's going to help. And so what I suggest in between balancing family, work, and your own self-care slash health is that we've got to figure out ways to prioritize you. And that really depends on your schedule. So let's say, you know, you're getting up at six with your kiddos and then you have to work at eight. Well, can we make some time for a breakfast for yourself? Something supportive that includes, uh, you know, this isn't my Nutrition 101 episode. It's one of the first ones I did. But can you include a carb, a protein, uh, and a fat source plus a fruit or vegetable? Maybe instead of sitting at home with our kiddo uh, watching TV, can we um, put them in the stroller and take them on a walk? Can we grab our dog and put them on a walk if you don't have kids? Uh, Honey is my child love her dearly. Can we set an hour aside to have a group fitness class or go to the gym? Things like that will really go a long way because (laughs) I literally just jinxed this. Like I said, something is better than nothing. And we need to find ways to have self-care, but also have relationships, friendships, and family that support that along the way. Because Genuinely, I there's a statistic on this. I haven't read it in a long time, so I don't have the exact numbers on hand. Having supportive relationships on your side when you're trying to facilitate change increases your likelihood of not only just meeting that goal, but then sustaining it long term, like five to 10 years down the road by 70% roughly. <laughs> um, and I think that's a huge number. And I think we forget that if our partner wants to eat whatever they want, and they just want to order takeout every night, that's going to make it really hard for you who wants to cook or wants to incorporate more fruits and vegetables into their meals because that's not what the whole team wants to do. And so we want to make sure that we express ourselves and vocalize this so that we can try to be on the same page. Not always. And like I said, I don't expect to eat a salad and a green juice every day. Um, I want that burger and french fries and I want that pizza. 
but let's find balance for it. Maybe eating out is a once or twice a week type of thing. And then we try to facilitate healthy eating at home the rest of the week. Not that you can't eat healthy out. Like, let me just clarify that too, because I really preach realistic health. You can sure as hell go out and get an acai bowl or a salad or whatever else. But in regards to the foods I'm thinking of when I eat out, like a burger and fries, pizza, going to get some paninis or a bruschetta board, those are super enjoyable, uh, but they're also not things that you probably want to eat for every single meal of every single day. So those types of things, but also just knowing the girly pop who uh, DM'd me this, busy women, just really quick, I'm going to give an extra tip. If you're a busy girl, it is so important to make sure you're packing snacks along the way so that you have support because I know and I guarantee that if you're running around all the time like a chicken uh, with your head cut off, you're just not going to have time for everything. So even something as simple as like keeping a bag of trail mix or a protein bar or beef, a pack of beef jerky in your purse or in the car could make a huge difference when you're starving and you're in the car coming home late from work or something along those lines because at the end of the day, you chose to stay late at work or you have to drive and that's just life, but you still need to support your health so that you can support your metabolism and your growth. So my busy girlies, use your calendar and your phone to help you know sort out your day and keep snacks on hand. Those are my top tips. Hi, Kylie. Um, I was just wondering because I only really have time to work out maybe once or twice a week. Do you think that that's enough to even see results or see a difference? Or is there like a minimum amount of days? I think this is a great question. And I think this couples really well with another exercise question that I'm actually going to answer like a little bit further below. Um, I think what's really important to remember is that something is better than nothing in regards to showing up for yourself. And so if you only have time to exercise two times a week, then I think that's better than doing zero days a week. I think it's important to also remember, too, that we can break the stigma of what exercise looks like. So for example, you know, let's say that you're working with clients all day and you have gaps in between those meetings or, you know, employee meetings or whatever you have that allows for gaps in your day. That could just be going on a 10-minute walk during those gaps, or maybe you have a half an hour in between those sessions, and maybe you just have a couple of free weights at home that you utilize. And between all those meetings that add up, you know, you could very well be doing anywhere from like 10 minutes, 15 minutes to like an hour of exercise just casually through your day if you're working from home and you've got that separation. Now, if you don't have that separation, that's okay too. Um, you know, sometimes suggestions I have for the office um, are if you have the option for a walking desk, that's always a great option. Or I really like the little cycle that can go under your desk um, where it's kind of like a bike and you just put your feet on it and you can pedal while you're working from your computer. So although you only have like a quote unquote traditional exercise time frame for once or twice a week, I think you'll kick ass and you can definitely meet your goals as long as you're um, choosing good lifestyle choices and nutrition choices to also support those goals. But then you can also go that step further, like I was saying, by like, okay, how can you find little tweaks in your routine from work to change change things up? Or maybe, you know, I guess this doesn't work if you're living in a house, but let's say you have an apartment. Maybe instead of 
taking the elevator, you try to use the stairs more. That could also work, you know, if you're in a large work building or if you're at the mall, maybe you take the stairs instead of the escalator or the elevator, you know, just small tweaks to our routine can help add slight bits of movement that add up. But like I said, it's not just movement that matters when meeting your goals. We also have to look at those uh, food choices and lifestyle choices to kind of tip you over the edge to really get you exactly where you want to be goal-wise. Hi, Kylie. What would be your recommendation for somebody who thinks they might have a chronic health issue? How do you approach a doctor and how do you kind of just get started getting the help you need? Thank you. I think that is so complex and overwhelming and stressful, to say the least. You know, I've really shared a lot about my autoimmune conditions and my chronic health and the real struggles I've had since you know, literally I was born up until, you know, maybe the last year or two where like life was hard. I had lots of doctor's appointments and lots of tests to try to figure things out. And I've gotten to a point where I'm so okay with my health that I don't care if I have all the diagnoses or all the things under my belt because I feel the healthiest and happiest I've ever been and I'm unsymptomatic. And that's ultimately why I started my career path is to help other people get to that place too, because not that the system is broken, but it's slightly broken. It's at least a jar to say the least. And, you know, medication can help, but it's also not everything. And there's so much we can do lifestyle wise to make the difference. But I want to jump back to you and it's really hard to go through those things. And so I want to commend you first and foremost to Probably the challenges that you're feeling right now, and most importantly, probably the symptoms that you're having and how you probably don't feel well and you probably are struggling to get up and be motivated day in, day out when you're not feeling like yourself, but then finding doctors who listen to you and having to go to multiple appointments and feel like a little lab rat getting all your tests done. And it's a challenge, but I think that there's three really big things to remember during this time. One of them is that you need to advocate for yourself. You have to show up for yourself and you have to be prepared. That means having your previous medical history available. That means having a list of questions ready for the doctor and being ready to explain your symptoms so that they can't put you in a rabbit hole. And if they do, they're not the doctor or health professional for you in the first place. And so then that kind of leads into the second thing. Don't give up. Have someone on your side to support you, whether it's a family member or a friend or a partner, because it's going to be challenging. And then continue to push forward and find the right specialist for you. Continue to grow and continue to look for labs and tests that are going to help you find that condition and making sure that, again, you have a health professional that looks at the whole picture. Just because your labs are within normal range doesn't mean that they're pretty much elevated or pretty much at the bottom end. That can also be an indicator, even though it's technically a quote unquote green light because it's in a normal range, you can see that there's still trends happening. And we want to make sure somebody's looking at the full picture, not just your weight or your labs, but understanding you as a whole systemic person and those symptoms and experiences that you're having. So I really do recommend as kind of that third step, you know, writing everything down 
because I guarantee you're going to write it down and then a day or two later or a week later, you're going to be like, oh yeah, and then there's this other symptom I forgot about and things like that and add to this list and have a binder or a folder that includes your past medical history, any hospitalizations, lab values or tests that are done um, because it's, it's hard and I understand what you're going through and I work with a lot of women who have complex health issues, whether it's a diagnosis already or they're struggling and working towards hustling to get that diagnosis. And so having just a generalized healthcare practitioner on your side, whether it's someone like me who works in that more integrative space or having a good PCP, or, you know, your general practitioner, having someone general on board to help throughout the way who understands different modalities. Um, so you know, so outside of the PCP, like a functional doctor or integrative, like I, you know, I kind of describe myself looking at nutrition and exercise and stress and um, all these other aspects, because that could also help improve your life in the meantime, too. And so that's my two cents. But more importantly, you know, I want to say that I'm cheering for you and that I'm hoping everything works out. And, you know, I hope you DM me and keep me updated on the way. And I hope that you get some answers soon. Hi, Kylie. I'm a woman in my 50s and have recently been diagnosed with osteoporosis. I'm wondering what kind of um, exercise I can do and what kind of um, different nutritional advice you might have for me for just helping my bones as much as I can so that the condition doesn't worsen and maybe even improves. Thanks. Oh, my dear. Okay, you are about to get an earful, so be ready for this question. And this, I want to clarify, too, this isn't just for aging women. My ladies in your 20s, your bone mass peaks at age 24. So if you're coming up on 24 or if you've passed 24, this is something to be really mindful of because it's only downhill from here. And so it's really, really important to be focusing on bone health early on so that you don't get to a point where your bones are brittle or that you start to experience osteoarthritis. Because what osteoporosis is, is the breakdown of bones and they become more fragile, which means you're more prone to breaks and damage later in life, which we don't want to happen and I don't want that to happen for you either. So here are my suggestions for you. Exercise-wise, um, we want to focus on weight-bearing exercises. So that can be weightlifting. Um, I also strongly recommend yoga because that's body weight-bearing. Both of those styles of exercise actually help us build our bone tissue so that we can have as much bone mass as possible. That's what I would focus on exercise-wise. There's a lot more we can do nutritionally. So I'm going to break this down into a couple different things. Naturally, when we think of strong, healthy teeth and bones, we think of dairy products, right? So that can be a really great source of calcium, whether it's a traditional dairy product that's like milk, yogurt, ice cream, the whole jazz, or non-dairy products um, also supplement calcium if it's fortified. So make sure you're checking that nutrition label to see if there's calcium in it. However, there are a couple things we can also consider outside of that. You know, I studied abroad in Spain and Italy in my undergrad to learn about the Mediterranean diet and how it really improved heart health and longevity of life. There's actually a new Netflix show called like Blue Zones, and that's about these types of zones across the earth that have Im vastly improved 
longevity of sub-life. And a lot of that had to do with a lot the Mediterranean diet. However, as we continue to build new research, the Mediterranean diet is also really helpful for PCOS and you know other health conditions. But what I'm focusing on here is osteoporosis and the Mediterranean diet can help with that. So what does that mean? That means more fruits and vegetables, whole grain products, lots of fish and seafood products, um, and then our poultry, and then a little bit less of that red meat, those processed foods, alcohol, and sugar products. Uh, so we want to consider that as an, as an option as well. Then, you know, I'm kind of, my brain's going in different directions. So then one of the things just in general about food, this is not diet focused, whatever, higher salt will actually increase our chances of expediting the release of calcium. So if you're eating a lot of salty foods, fried foods, or just pouring a lot of salt on those meals when you're cooking, you're actually not doing yourself a favor. So using a low sodium option and trying to reduce that, uh, reduce that salt can be helpful. Then we can kind of dive into supplementation because there are a couple different things we can do there. If we're going to take a calcium supplement, make sure you're talking to a healthcare provider first because there are certain quantities that you want to look for because too high of a dosage can lead to toxicity and we obviously don't want that. Um, but what something that's important is that um, there's a thing called food synergy. And if you want to learn more specifically about that, I have a podcast episode in season one about this. But calcium and vitamin D work together to help increase the amount of calcium you're absorbing. So if you're going to take a calcium supplement, take it with a vitamin D supplement as well. Other supplementations, I don't care when you take them, and foods, I guess, in general, are potassium and magnesium. So whether you're getting that from an electrolyte supplement or you're taking a pill, or ideally you're eating this from foods, those are also really great components um, of minerals to be eating because potassium and magnesium can help the bioavailability. It can help with the overall chemical reactions to get your bones where we want to be. And that's what I would suggest from a nutritional standpoint. Um, there's a lot that goes into this. And I think, you know, if you're already asking these types of questions, you're already on track to be mindful of, okay, what can I do and how can I do it to be most successful? Now it's just maybe about playing around with some of these things and start putting them into your routine. I think something that can be helpful if it's open to you and if it feels comfortable to you is an in-body scan. Um, you can do them at your like local gyms or health stores. Don't let them sell you on stupid shit that you don't need. But those in-body scans not only measure body fat and muscle, but they also can measure your bone capacity and just that skeletal aspect of things too. And then outside of the in-body scan, something that's slightly more accurate and also focuses more specifically on bone density is a DEXA scan, D-E-X-A. And that may be harder to find. There may be health professionals that have access to that. And that could also be a good scan, one, to get a baseline. Like, hey, where are you at currently? And then check in two, three, you know, two or three months and continue to do those types of increments to see how you're improving over time. Are you staying the same? Which would be positive. Are you increasing, which would be amazing, or are you continuing to decrease and decline? And that's where we might want to be concerned and even take a little bit more action about 
continuing to work towards improving that bone density and our bone health so that obviously we can live strong, healthy lives. Guys, I just want to just preface too that I love getting all these questions. Like I love what I do and whether it's like someone that I'm working with hands-on or even just a question in a DM, like these are the types of things I want to help women with. So if you have these questions, don't be afraid that I'm like going to go sell you a whole spiel. <laughs> like I won't do that. I gen- genuinely want to help you and you know answer questions and be able to you know help you figure out what's going on in your life. And so if you ever feel that way, just know I'm a support system for you and I'm happy to answer these questions. So one of the most common questions I got was the best exercises to stay blank, like to uh, stay healthy, to lose weight, to be healthy, to be effective. Um, And really at the end of the day, that's, I'm going to say a tricky question because coach me, is saying two things. I have two different paths I'd go down. One part of me would say, well, something's better than nothing. So if you're just sitting around right now um, watching Netflix or feeling too overwhelmed to go out and do something or scrolling through your phone, to even just taking a walk, getting up, moving around, uh, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. Doing something is better than nothing. And that's going to help with progress. However, then the other part of me is like, well, There are certain exercises that can be more fitting and more aligned with your goals depending on who you are, how you structure your workouts, what you feel comfortable with, if there's any health conditions to be concerned of, and also what your goals are. And so that ranges for a lot of different people that I work with. Uh, For some, that could be that they have POTS and so moving around up and down a lot or at an intensive cardio rate, which builds up our um, heart rate, can be problematic. And so in those types of situations, I suggest something more gentle that still supports uh, muscle growth and circulation. Or with women with PCOS, uh, weight training is really important because building muscle helps defeat insulin resistance, which then balances hormones. Or if there's not any health conditions involved, for example, and maybe we're just looking at a good old-fashioned weight loss, then maybe we combine a balance of cardio and weight training to support fat loss and muscle gain for metabolism. So really, if you want to figure out what the best exercises are for you without scrolling through a thousand TikToks or just guessing and then not seeing results, or maybe you've been doing that for a while, it's probably time to talk to somebody, like a health professional. And if that's something you need help with, like, let's talk about it. But in regards to just the generalized plan, I say move, like just move around on, I mean, on average for myself even, and I'm practicing and I'm preaching over here. I try to walk daily for at least 15 minutes, even in the hot summer heat. Um, And then on top of that, I try to do other movements around three to five times a week. And that feels really good to me, whether that's yoga, whether that's bar, whether that's weight training, really depends on my mood. And I usually do prefer weight training specifically, but any of those options feel good to me and I feel happy and supported doing them. So that's what I choose to do. So as you can see, there's just so much variety dependent on who you are and what your specific goals are. So definitely look into that a little bit more and ask those tough questions to figure out what's going to work best for you and your goals. 
Hi there, my name is Olivia and my question is, do you have any recommendations for how to practice discipline with getting yourself to get up and go work out in the morning? I always have the best intentions at night. I lay out my workout clothes, set my alarm for 5 a.m. and then every single morning my alarm goes off at 5 a.m. and I am just in a weak state, half asleep and press snooze for an hour and a half and never end up working out. And this is like a daily thing. So I was just curious, yeah, if you have any recommendations for how to find that motivation in the morning to get yourself up and out of bed and get your day started early when sleep feels so good. Okay, I am gonna tell you three things. Um, if you struggle to wake up in the morning, maybe a morning workout is not for you. That is said with love, honest love because I work with women a lot who feel like a morning workout would be more effective, but it just does not work out into their routine. And that's okay. I'd rather see you go less times a week in the afternoon or the same amount of times in the week in the afternoon and actually get that workout done than in theory, keep trying to go in the morning when it's not working. So like I said, I have three things. So number two would then be, okay, let's check yourself again with love. <laughs> How much sleep are you getting a night? Because if you're not getting eight to 10 hours as a woman, you're probably feeling exhausted throughout the day. You're low energy. You feel like you need a nap. You maybe have brain fog. And so if we're not getting enough sleep, naturally your body is like, screw the workout. I don't need to exercise. I need to recover. And so maybe it's time to start considering what your sleep hygiene looks like. I have a short, short podcast episode about that. I think it's literally under 10 minutes. Uh, about how to improve your sleep and how to set kind of a more re realistic routine to set up eight to 10 hours of sleep a night. And then number three would be um, stuff that I do with clients who really, really want to make that morning workout happen. And so I'm going to give you kind of a list of those things. Set your alarm and go set it in the other room. Now, if you live in a studio, go set it in your bathroom or go set it in your kitchen. But wherever you are, go set your phone across the room because you can't hit snooze while you're still in bed. And once you get up, it might be a little easier to push yourself to get into that routine and that groove. I will tell you that after two to four weeks of getting into that routine and waking up in the mornings to work out, it does get easier, just like any other routine or habit that you're trying to build. The more you do it successfully, the easier that routine becomes. It's called self-efficacy. And then I think just set a realistic amount of time. So maybe it's just testing the waters and one day a week you go work out in the morning and two days are in the afternoon or, and then maybe you build up to two days in the morning and two days in the afternoon and then maybe three days in the morning and one afternoon or whatever. But maybe don't give yourself cold turkey, kind of ease your way into it in a way that feels comfortable because we're not always gonna be motivated right? It's really easy after a breakup or seeing like a really hot Instagram post, you're like, oh yeah, like I really want that and I'm going to make it happen. And that's great, but that fades. Whether it's a couple hours later or a couple months later, that motivation goes away and we have to figure out um, really dedication. But dedication just doesn't come out of nowhere, right? And so really that the two key things to that are consistency and habits. So we have to find a way to build a routine that is realistic and sustainable so that you can continue to repeat that day by day, week by week. And at the end of the day, 
that's when the results will come in because otherwise you're just pushing yourself super hard to make these morning workouts work and after two or three weeks you're exhausted and then you stop doing it and then you just want to sleep and then you don't go after work and then you get back into the same old routine until you see something that motivates you again and then you start the whole cycle over again and that's shitty and that's no fun so i hope that helps livia okay this is going to be the last question that i touch into I got a lot of, you know, DMs and voice clips about this one too, and I figure rather than just showcasing one of them, I'm just going to lump them all together. In regards to motivation and consistency, oof, tough, right? Like, motivation is great because it lights a fire under our ass and we're ready to go. However, that fire is short-lived. Whether it lasts an hour, whether it lasts a week, whether it lasts a month, it eventually goes out or the fire gets pretty low to the point where it's no longer motivating us to make action. And so we can't allow, like, well, I guess the best way to put this is motivation is a really great starting point, but we have to learn consistency along the way to build into long-term habits. If you want this to be part of your routine on the daily, it has to be more than just a revenge body after breaking up with somebody or wanting to fit into a dress in time for a wedding or some, you know, we just want to fit into our routine based off of a calendar deadline or something that happens in our life that affects us and makes us want that change. Now, no matter what, we need to let that motivation sink in and be like, okay, why do we want to make the change? It's more than just a wedding dress. It's more than just a breakup. It's more than just a doctor's appointment that didn't go well, right? Like we need to talk through these things and figure out that internal motivation outside of the external factors. And then from there, we've got to figure out how to make this a long-lasting routine. And I've preached about this a lot, I feel like, in this episode. So spare me uh, spare me the judgments, please. Um, it's really about that realistic lifestyle choice, Right. Because if we're going to go hard and heavy because we're super motivated, I guarantee you, you are going to burn out so, so quick. At the end of the day, if you want a long-lasting routine that gives you long-lasting results where you feel good, you look good, your life's great, it has to be realistic. It has to fit into your routine And it may be uncomfortable at first. Like, I'm not just saying this is like going to slide into your life easy and it's not going to be an adjustment. It's going to be an adjustment to learn how to start eating breakfast or three meals a day. It's going to be an adjustment to add exercise into your routine. It's going to be an adjustment to go to bed earlier or to wake up earlier or anything along those lines. But in order to do the goals that we want and to see those goals, we got to make some action happen. And then not only is the action have to happen, but we have to do it consistently over time for a long period of time. Like let's stop normalizing the two week abs or, you know, all that crap because I just, it's just not realistic. Let's start normalizing that progress takes time and healthy progress is good progress because studies show that people gain back two to five times the weight they initially lost on diets. Like what the point, what's the point of that? Just to make you feel bad about yourself after you just paid a crap ton of money to like go do this silly diet and they sent you all the food and everything else? No, that's completely worthless. So I would rather you figure out realistic routines. Pay a coach who helps you figure out with realistic routines. 
And then let that sustain over time because I guarantee you, not only are you seeing those results, but you're going to be happier for it because it's going to feel so much more comfortable. It's not going to feel like a sacrifice to your social life or to the foods that you love or to the relationships that you have or anything along those lines. It's going to feel comfortable, but it's going to take time for it to feel comfortable. And sometimes you just need that handholding and support and accountability along the way. Okay. And that was our last question for the day. So we're wrapping up here. I hope that this felt like a great starting point for you guys. If you have these types of questions, know you're not alone because other people are asking them too. And remember, I offer so many free resources to learn about these things. So whether it's on Instagram, whether it's on the podcast with all the other episodes I have, TikTok, uh, on my website with all the articles and information on there too, you have so much access to resources because I really believe that women should empower their health and you deserve those things. So keep tuning back in. I will see you guys next time.